Wonderful. It's great to be with you. It's been a while, but it's been a while since many of us have been many places, isn't it? So, uh, wonderful. Jeff just quoted the scripture, he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet gains a prophet's reward. Well, there's already been one prophet that has come and prophesied to you this morning, and I want to ask you, did you receive not just the prophet, but the word that he brought? What was the one word God was looking for? Yes. Yes. We had the word from Debbie, isn't it? The word from Debbie. You could preach that word any, you could prophesy that word any Sunday, in any church meeting, in any gathering. God's intention is to inhabit the praises of his people. That is, God intends to turn up in his glorious manifest power whenever the church meets in the name of Jesus. That's his plan to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. Just have a look around the room and ask yourself, if I, was pl- if I was planning global domination, world transformation, the passing away of all sin, sickness, even death itself, would this be the gang I chose to do it? You know, the Apostle Paul says that God chose the things of this, the things that are not, <laughs> to shame the things that are. You know, if you ever feel unqualified, actually that's the number one qualification. Because when we're weak, we're strong, because it's when we realize that we give up trying to do anything in our own strength that we allow the Holy Spirit to come and use us. And that's what I believe He wants to do. I believe that God wants to come, not just to do something in a meeting this morning, but God wants to come and open up new wells within your life of living in a flow of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the only thing that you need to do to get, it, to get on board with what God is saying, God's agenda, God's yeah. Word, is to say, what was the word? Yes. 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 He wants the world to know that He's alive by what people meet when they meet you. I've been given a a topic this morning, I think, (laughs) on what it means to be God's prophetic people. And it would be very easy, and if I can share some of my own kind of, um, uh, what's the word? foibles. Uh, It would be very easy for me just to stand up and speak to you kind of for 40 minutes or so and take you through some scriptures and kind of say, there you go, the church is God's prophetic people. But that would almost be entirely a failure. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing to do, but in terms of what God wants to do, I believe that that would fall well short because I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to do is not to tell us who we are, but to equip us so that the world around us knows who we are. (laughs) I believe there's an equipping from the Spirit to come this morning. It's not going to come just in one dose. It's not going to just be a, a, it's a, praise the Lord, it's not, it's not anything to do with the quality of my preaching or anything like that. (laughs) Look at this in John 3 with me.
John 3, verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. That which is born of flesh is flesh. We need to do a little test right now. Uh, This is going to become significant later. Uh, Can we just check uh, that everyone present is born of flesh? That is, we don't have any holograms or... uh, spectral beings here. Just, just if you're sitting close enough to someone, just give them a little prod. Just want to check. Okay. All flesh. Everyone flesh? Okay. You were born of flesh, and that is flesh, but you are also something else because it says, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And you know, you can't poke spirit, but you can discern spirit just as truly as you can discern flesh. Why? Because you have been born of the Spirit. A prophetic people are first and foremost a people of the Holy Spirit. They are people who have been born Spirit. And this is what they're like. Jesus says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So how many of you are born of the Spirit? And so this is true of you, okay, that you are like the wind. You are like the wind. It blows wherever, you blow wherever the Holy Spirit wishes. And you make a sound, and people hear that sound, But no one knows where it comes from or where it goes because they look at you and they go, you look like flesh, but you sound like God. Where do you come from? What is it with you? Who are you? Who are you that look like everyone else but sound so different and bring this atmosphere with you, bring something with you that I've no idea where it comes from. It's not of this world. Wherever you go, led by the Spirit, you are bringing something of heaven to the world around you. And you know, the people of this world are discerning of spirits as well. And they'll go, that is something fresh. That is something different. That is a sound I've not heard before. I want more of that. So it is with all the super spiritual, mature tried and tested ones who were born of the Spirit. I think I misread it. So it is with everyone who was raised in a Christian home. No, so it is with everyone who, who is a Pentecostal or charismatic. No, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So it is with you. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound much like my experience. Well, you know, sometimes God's doing something not even you notice through you. Because actually, your experience is not as true as the Word of God. It's not as reliable an indicator of truth as what God has said. And so in reality, perhaps if you think this is not your experience, your mind just needs to catch up with what the Spirit is doing through you. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
What does Jesus say a little bit later in John chapter 7 and verse 37? On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living waters. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, for Jesus was not yet glorified. There's a delay in the narrative here between when Jesus makes this promise and when it's going to be realized, but the realization of this, and I'm sure you're there already, happens on the day of Pentecost. And there is a flow out of you. There is a flow out of you if you have drunk of the Spirit of Christ. There is a flow of living waters out of you. Do you know what living waters do? They bring life wherever they go. They are the waters that will cover the earth. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. These are the, these are the same waters. These are the same waters that flowed out of Eden to water the whole earth. These are the same waters that broke up from under the altar in the temple and came and brought transformation and even turned the Dead Sea to life. This is the living water. That's where Jesus says, as the Scripture has said, you go looking for a scripture, you don't find a scripture. So what does that tell you? It tells you it's not scripture with a small s or scriptures with a small s. It's scripture with a big s. He's saying the whole weight of scripture says a day is coming when God's living water by the Spirit will flow out of the innermost being of all his people and bring his transformation into the world. That's what Jesus is saying. You are that people. You are that people. And you know, the thing about wells and wells in Scripture, we skipped a, we skipped a verse in, in John 4 where Jesus meets a woman at a well. That was a significant well. That was a well that Abraham had dug and Isaac had redug. Redigging wells is a, is a recurring theme in the Scripture. And, and, and he wants to drink from the water and, and, and he says to the woman, he says, look, if... if if you knew who I was, you'd ask for me, and you would have a well that would never run dry. And I believe today there's some redigging of wells that needs to go on here. You need to dig down. And uh, I'm going to give you a tool that is going to help you dig that, that, that well, and the tool is this. Yes, Lord. Yes. It's saying yes. It's saying yes whenever, whenever I bring, read something from the Scripture here, I want you to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And we say yes to me. Agreeing with me can get you in all kinds of hot water and bother, but agreeing with the Word of God <laughs> will, will never fail you. Agreeing with what the Holy Spirit is doing. I'm speaking to those born of the Spirit who the Spirit wants to blow wherever He wishes. It's quite risky, isn't it? It's quite risky. To say yes to God is risky. Risky if you have any kind of affection or affinity or, or, or kind of enjoy anything about this life. And, and I'm not criticizing you if you do, because I certainly do. And, but when you say yes, you realize you're saying yes to God. You've got to lay those, you've got to lay those things down. You've got to be prepared for them to go. Yeah. 
You know, you know, Jesus promises whatever you leave, you'll get more back in this life and a reward in eternity. In fact, letting go when God begins to blow by His Spirit is, is a way of guaranteeing the most fulfilling and rewarding life you, you could possibly live. But we want to make this practical. Turn with me to Acts. Acts 2. So we know how Acts 2 begins, the day of Pentecost. They're all together in one place, finally. The whole church has turned up to a meeting. Isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit waits to move until everyone's there. No one had a birthday party, an anniversary. A work's due. I've had a bit of a busy week. None of them had that this day. They were all together in one place. I, I might be reading a little bit into that phrase, but I don't know. I just... They were all together in one place. The Holy Spirit comes with signs and wonders, a mighty rushing wind, shaking, and tongues of fire come and rest on their heads. Tongues of fire come and rest on their heads, and they break out of the room where they're meeting into the street, speaking in new tongues, and people can hear the gospel being shared in their own language. In verse 14, Peter stands up and he says, uh, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose. And then he feels the need to qualify by saying, because it's only the third hour of the day. I don't know what kind of reputation Galileans had at the time. Um, <laughs> but there's kind of the implication, you know, that if it was the afternoon, fair game. Um, <laughs> But he says, they're not drunk, as you suppose, but they were exhibiting an, al an alternate state of awareness. <laughs> yes, they were, they, were, they were behaving in an unusual manner. They were drawing attention to themselves, or rather the Holy Spirit was drawing attention to them, in a way that was disruptive and awkward, and probably if you were kind of on a train, made you think, I'm going to move to the next carriage. It was... This was not business as usual in Jerusalem that day, and it creates a stir. He says, look, they're not drunk like you think they're drunk, but they have been drinking. They have been drinking. And I wonder if at that point any of them are going, oh, you remember when Jesus said that out of our innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water if we drink from him? And he quotes a prophet, he quotes, quotes the prophet Joel. I believe that, G, that Peter at that point, in one sense, could have quoted dozens of Old Testament scriptures. Because it's not just this little bit of Joel 2 that's being fulfilled that day. It's the whole burden that the prophets had of this, this time that was coming when God was going to pour out his spirit and create this new people of a new covenant that were no longer kind of forever thwarted by, by sin and rebellion, but we're going to live the life for him and finally achieve his purpose of filling the earth with men and women made in his image, serving him, transforming the world around them, living for his glory, revealing him to the whole of creation. Now it was going to happen. That's what the prophets were looking for. 
And that's what begins on this day. But he quotes from Joel 2, and he says, In the last days God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's where we were going. That was the, that was, for those that don't know Jesus yet, that's the most significant line that we now live in the day when whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, when God shifts the spiritual atmosphere like that, when He changes the whole kind of way that heaven and earth are related, and you know that you play a significant part in the outworking of that, you're going to want to get going, aren't you? You're going to want to hit the ground running. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And all the people that know the gospel are in one city. (laughs) But within a generation, they'd reach the ends of the earth. Isn't that amazing? Where are you going? Where's the Spirit blowing you? Where are you going to preach the gospel? But he starts with this, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. See, that's why it was important. We wanted to check you were all flesh. Okay? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So we, we're so qualified this morning, aren't we? First of all, we don't really think we're very much, and that kind of, kind of qualifies us. And, and then we're made of flesh, and that qualifies us because he pours out his spirit on all flesh. Here's another one. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, you may, you may not have a mother and a father who are alive. You may have never known your mother and a father, your mother or your father. But I'm, I'm 100% certain that everyone here is either a son or a daughter. Would you, would you, would you verify that for me? Every, every one of you? Yeah. You were a son or a daughter. None of you were the product of some mad scientist's experiment. We are all someone's son and someone's daughter, qualified to prophesy. Specifically, of course, he's talking about the community of God, the covenant family, the covenant community, the church now. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Every one of you has a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, someone that led you to the Lord. You're qualified. In fact, Jesus looks down with his big Holy Spirit super soaker. He says, I'm looking for some flesh and I'm looking for sons and daughters. There you go. I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. We're qualified. And now what will happen? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There's going to be visions and dreams. He's going to pour out his spirit and they shall prophesy. You see, it's no good really being the prophetic people if you never say anything prophetic. If you never... What's the first thing they do when they prophesy? They declare the praises of God, it says. Each one of them heard the praises of God being declared in their own language. 
you speak the good things of God. Even just speaking good things is going to get people looking at you. It's going to get people realizing there's something different going on. We're speaking the good things of God. In, we're probably not going to get there this morning. We may get there on Wednesday. But in 1 Corinthians 14, um, Paul says um, something a little bit confusing. It sounds like he's got himself mixed up, where he talks about how the different impact that tongues and prophecy have if there are unbelievers in the meeting. And he said, if you're, if you're, um, if you're speaking in tongues, in fact, I should probably read it because I'm gonna, I, will, I will get confused and misquote it. And much easier on my brain to actually read it than to try and remember. Um, so in verse uh, 22 of 1 Corinthians 14, thus tongues are not a sign for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. Okay, so tongues, the sign for unbelievers, prophecy, the sign for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, the outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you're out of your minds? He's just said tongues are a sign for unbelievers, and then he says, if, you come, if, you come, if people come in and you're all speaking in tongues, everyone's going to think you're mad. What kind of a sign is that, Paul? And um, he says, but if prof- all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And you think, well, surely that sounds like the sign for the unbelievers. But he says it's the other way around. And I believe this is the reason. He's thinking back to Acts 2. In Acts 2, tongues was the sign to unbelievers because they heard the praises of God in their own language. But the prophecy was a sign to the the believers that we are living in the age of the outpoured Spirit. We are those who are born of the Spirit. We are those who blow wherever the Spirit blows. We are those who are called to proclaim the greatness of God in the world. And I don't know about you, but every time I hear a prophetic word, it reminds me that God's Spirit is at work. God's Spirit is breathing. God's Spirit is breathing through us. God's Spirit is speaking through us. There's something to do. There's a mission to, there's a mission to accomplish. There's a message to proclaim. And it reminds us. You know, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it is, do not despise prophecy. Do you know how you despise prophecy? It's not by going, we don't believe in prophecy here. I mean, that's you know, that's not great. But I think Paul wasn't writing to people that didn't believe in prophecy. He says, do not despise prophecy. I believe that this is the way that we are most likely to despise prophecy. Us here today, us kind of people. It's to allow the words to kind of wash over our ears, but never make them, let them direct our feet. I think that's how we despise prophecy. We may say amen really loudly, We may even keep a journal of every prophetic word, but it doesn't shape our lives. But every time we hear the prophetic word, it should be a sign to us. God is on the move. The Spirit is on the move. I need to be blown by the Spirit. (laughs) Put up my sail and let the Spirit blow me. I I need to be that source of living water to the world around me. Drink more of Jesus and let that flow come out. I need to say yes to God. 
It's who we are. It's what God wants to do in us and through us every, every day of the week. A prophetic people are a people who show what Jesus is like to the world every day. Do you know, I, I meet lots of people. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old now. Um, I remember a few years ago, I remember when I turned 45. Nice thing is I can remember when I turned 45. But I remember when I turned 45, I said to my, I said to my lovely wife, I said, I said, I realize I'm probably kind of halfway through my life now. And she said to me, oh, don't say that. I said, well, you, you really still, still want me around when I'm 90? And she said, well, you've got a point, yeah. <laughs> Part of my point is I can't remember why I started telling the story. Yeah, getting old. Let's, let's, re, let's reel it back. <laughs> getting old, what, what were we talking about before then? Hmm? Meeting people, meeting people. Here's the thing, yes, thank you. I, I knew she came for a reason. Um, <laughs> I, I know some people my age who are still waiting to find out what the purpose of God for their life is. And, and I don't dismiss the idea of discovering the purpose of God for your life, but, but actually, God has a purpose for every day of your life. And it's not your purpose, it's His purpose. When you were born again, you were born for His purpose, not primarily to discover your purpose. Your purpose was to live for His purpose. And you can engage that every morning because... God gave you an amazing connection to His eternal purpose, and that's the baptism of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in you. And you know, you can ask the Holy Spirit every day, what are we doing today, Holy Spirit? <laughs> what are we doing today? What can I do today that fulfills part of God's great eternal purpose? Because that's why he poured his spirit out on all flesh. That's why he poured his spirit on you. What can I say today that brings words of life? You know, it's a prayer I often pray now when I'm going to meet with someone. I pray these words, Lord, give me words of eternal life. Do you know what? People will not walk away from words of eternal life. There was a time in Jesus' earthly ministry where almost seems to me like he was being a little mischievous. And he says to the crowds, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. And nearly everyone left him except the twelve. Maybe it was Jesus' latest strategy to get a bit of peace and quiet because, you know, the crowds followed him everywhere. And he says to them, are you going to leave as well? And they said, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And by the Holy Spirit, you have the words of eternal life. You can pray that simple prayer before every encounter you have. Maybe encounters you don't know you're going to have. In the high street, on the bus, in the shops. Pray the prayer, Holy Spirit, give me words of eternal life. 
Because when people hear words of eternal life, or when people feel that blowing of the Spirit, or when people receive the refreshing of that living water, they're going to say, well, where else can I go? I'm sorry if you wanted tips on prophesying, but I just feel that that's not really exactly where God wants to take us this morning. I think He wants to convince us and convict us. Two closely related words in English, only one word in Greek. So whenever you read the word convict, it's also the word convince. He wants to convince you of who you are and the unhindered, unfettered access you have to His life of the Holy Spirit, that He wants to blow you where He's going. He wants to pour out His living waters to you to bring life and healing to the world around you, and He wants to speak words of eternal life through your mouth so that everyone you encounter says, where else could I go? Where else could I go? I love seeing... um, I love seeing on, on, uh, on social media, you guys, when you, you post when you have baptisms. I love that. I love seeing those pictures of people getting baptized. I remember, I was actually here years and years ago when Jeff took up the offering for the baptistry. It was, it was one of the best offerings I've ever heard taken. Do you remember what you said? Jeff stood up and he said, praise the Lord, I just want to let you know we already have all the money we need for the baptistry. And everyone went, hey! And then Jeff said, now, the problem is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> I've learned, I'm learning from a master. <laughs> but if you think this is well used, you've not seen nothing yet. Because God wants to, not just in this room, you see, the manifest presence of God is going to be felt more and more in this room. Salvation and healing is going to be found more and more in this room. But the reason for that is because the people in the room are going to be more and more full of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be more windy, more soggy, and more... I was going to say chopsy. I'll say that in in honor of Steve, because that's the, the word I learned in Wales. More talkative out there in the world. And people go, where else could I go? You say, well, you can come with me. Come and meet a whole bunch of people just like me. Really? There's more people just like you? It's a scary thing, isn't it? You know, that's one of the powerful testimonies that the church has, is that there are lots, lots, there are lots and lots more people just like you. And um, one person's blessing, one person's life of walking in blessing can be written off or dismissed as just, well, you're lucky, you're fortunate. Things just came together well for you. But when you say, well, come and meet over a hundred people who all have the same experience, people's arguments begin to fall away. So there must be something true in this. And what's more, Whenever that person's here, it feels like something of heaven is around. Whenever that person's with me, it feels like there's something fresh and refreshing and life-giving. And whenever they speak, even when they say things that infuriate me or I disagree with, 
It's like living water. This is what it means to be a prophetic people. And I hope you're there, and I hope you've already said yes to the Holy Spirit multiple times through this morning. Because I do believe that God wants to stir you. He wants to impart something fresh. He wants you to dig again those wells of the Spirit. Um, I just, I just want to, I want to say this as well because I kind of joke about getting old, and um, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a church where um, I, I keep, a, I keep kind of track of, of who's who's in the church on a, um, on a spreadsheet, and um, just to kind of help me see the demographic, I, I, I color code it by different decades. And I am consistently, and this has been, ever since I started doing this, consistently, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the oldest 7% of City Church Coventry. And um, in His grace, we've got some great friends, uh, Mike and Carol Ledger. Some of you know Mike, Mike and Carol. And um, Mike gets to retire later this year, and most of their family now live down in Somerset. And so they're planning to move. And and we're going to miss them terribly, and we're going to enjoy a new kind of, you know, vacation destination in their spare room. And, um, and, and I'm, going to miss, I'm going to miss them being around. I'm going to miss their, 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 their friendship and their service. And most of all, I was, going to, I was disappointed that it was going to mean that I actually moved even higher up the kind of the age bracket. And then God in His grace recently have sent... I've sent another couple, an older couple to join the church. Phew, all right, I, I still, I'm still not quite in that oldest 5%. I'm okay. But if, did you notice in Acts 2 that we've got uh, a very equal weighting here around men and women? Yeah? So it says... Uh, your sons and your daughters, and it says your male servants and female servants. And then it also says your, your old men and your young men. So here's one of the things. If you're born of the Spirit, um, you, you, born of the Spirit means that you are partakers of the divine nature. It means you've received eternal life. And you know what? When you live eternal life, aging stops. Okay? So young and old is now only a matter of the flesh. And we, and we know it's a We know the, you know, here's a living, breathing example of what happens as flesh gets older. We, but in the spirit, the outward man is fading away, but the inner man is renewed every day. Renewed every day. There is no aging in the spirit. There is no qualification age at the lower end or retirement age at the upper end to be God's prophetic people, to be men and women of the spirit. And I'm going to labor this a little bit because I, I, I had this sense in, as we were worshiping that there were some people who were, who were going to respond to what I had to say, and actually most of what I've said so far isn't what I was planning to say, but that's another matter. Um, you can blame the presence of Mr. Doricott for that, because something happens. Here's the thing. Something happens 
when, the, when prophets are together. There's a different kind of ministry that happens. And I know you've got some prophetic folk here. I know Mike and Ali are not here today, are they? And, uh, and I, know that, I know that Ali is, is very sharp in her prophetic gifting as well. I know you have lots of other people that prophesy as well. But something happens that God does. And Steve and I did not know each other were going to be here today. Um, and uh, we met in the car park, arrived at the same time, and I thought, okay, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> First thing I said to Steve is, great, I haven't got to preach now, and <laughs> but apparently I do. Um, <laughs> but God is, 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 I believe, wants to do something significant today among you. Had a little marker in the pilgrimage of you as a church. And one of the characteristics of that is to say to you, however old you are, and um, I've, I've no idea whether, I, I don't want to presume that Dave here is the oldest person in the room, but I know that Dave turned 80 yesterday. And I want to commend Dave for being a fine example of what it means to, be, uh, to never age in the spirit. Yes. <laughs> And so if you want to know what does it look like to be of slightly advanced years, but still like, like, uh, like Moses and Caleb. Was it Caleb that said, you know, here I am as strong as the day I was? 85. Still with the vigor of youth. If you're looking for an example, you, you can't find a better one than Dave. Don't dismiss yourself because of age. Don't dismiss yourself because of youth. Because here is one of the characteristics of what it means to be the prophetic church. It's not to be part of a church that has prophecies. Lots of churches have prophecies. Not to be part of a church that's even never lacking in the prophetic word in the meeting. Lots of churches are like that. But it doesn't mean that everyone is living out the calling they have, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, I, I do believe, because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, you can all prophesy in turn. And I do believe it's important that every believer, everyone who's been filled with the Holy Spirit, actually does prophesy. But I'm not at all convinced it's important they do it on a Sunday morning. Because the prophetic word needs to be heard in every home, needs to be heard in every workplace, needs to be heard in every coffee shop encounter, because you're a prophetic people. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. When I come on, uh, on Wednesday evening, um, I really hope that we do spend the majority of the time actually in the, in the, in the classroom of the Holy Spirit and, and, and workshopping and doing the gifts of the Spirit. Here's one of the amazing things I found. The Holy Spirit, He loves so much to be a teacher that he always turns up and does stuff for real, even when we're practicing. 
Yeah. Even when we're learning stuff, he turns up and it's real. You can say, right, well, you're going to prophesy now, and you're going to prophesy now, and you're going to prophesy now. And it's real prophecy. It's not just kind of, you know, it's not flight simulator prophecy. It's, it's the real thing. But I just wanted to pull to this little passage in 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute and the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So it is with yourselves. If if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you're speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with, you, so with yourself, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Now, there's a lot we could say about that around our practice of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, and maybe we'll get to some of that on Wednesday. But I want to draw your attention right now to the imagery that Paul is using here. And the imagery he is using is that you are a musical instrument and the Holy Spirit is the breath being blown through it. So rather than getting bogged down in the technical detail of tongues and interpretation, and we get later on and how many tongues you have and how many interpreters and how many prophecies and how many prophets and all this kind of, all important stuff, all important stuff. But let's not miss the picture he's painting for us here. He says, look, even lifeless instruments, anyone ever, anyone ever feel like a lifeless instrument? Even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp. I want to speak to, we've got a camera here, I presume there's some people at home. I know you've said you've got some people who are sick. I want to speak to you at home. If you're, feeling, if you're at home because you're sick and you feel like a lifeless instrument, I want you to know the Holy Spirit can still play a beautiful melody on you. Do you ever go through times where, where things, you just feel kind of deflated? You just feel like you're going through the motions. You know what the Holy Spirit says? I can still play a beautiful melody on you. Even on the lifeless things. Of course, his breath doesn't let you stay lifeless for very long. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes. How will anyone know what is being played? I like the fact that he sticks two instruments together here. We're getting a band together. We're putting the band back together. <laughs> but you know what's the important, one of the important things with bands is that they play together. Um, it's got to fit together. It's got to, why? Because it communicates something there. And this is why we're not just a bunch of prophetic individuals, but we're a prophetic people. Because it's the sound that the Spirit makes through our lives together that will communicate what he wants to communicate. In the gifts of the Spirit and in the moving of the Spirit, there is always an interdependence. There are no lone ranger prophets. You look through the New Testament, every time a prophet is mentioned and called a prophet, he is never alone. He is always with other prophets. Every single time. 
without exception, even if only the words of one person are recorded, we're always told this was a prophetic company. And that's true of prophets, but it's true of God's people as well. God, Ephesians 3.10 says that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed. Now through the church, not through individuals, through the church, because it's the manifold wisdom, it's the multicolored, multivaried wisdom of God is being, display, being displayed. That's why we are called to witness as a community. And then it says, if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So here's the other thing that God wants. It's not just that it paints a picture, it's that there's a clarity, that there's a clear call going out. And the prophetic word needs to come with clarity and a clear call going out. I want to, I'm going to ask Steve to join me. I, I felt, in fact, I was talking with Dave on the phone on when, Tuesday or Wednesday. We just had a, had a chat about, about today. And, and I'd been feeling before and I came away with the same feeling. I, I just want to lay hands on people. <laughs> and I, because I just think the Holy Spirit wants to do something. Um, and I'm going to ask Steve to join me in that. But before, before we do that, Dave, Dave Gregg, the, the Lord gave me a, a word for you, actually. I was in the car on the way up, and I saw you running with a baton. And uh, you, were, you were running your leg, and you came up, and you put the baton in, into the hand of someone. And then I saw the same thing again, but it was a different color baton, and, and it went to someone else's hand. And it went to someone else's hand, and it went to someone else's hand. And I believe the Holy Spirit said, there's a lot of things you're carrying that you've carried them as far as he wants you to carry them. But the hand of the person that's going to receive it is already reached out to receive it. So put it in their hand. But it's not the end of the race. It's not the end of the race. Because the Lord has new things for you to do. The Lord has new opportunities. But he needs you empty-handed to receive the new thing he's got for you. Steve, you come, and come with me and pray for Dave. But we just pray by the Holy Spirit right now. You impart a fresh anointing to Dave for the new things that you're going to put in his hand to do. <laughs> Lord, I want to thank you for his faithfulness. Lord, I want to thank you for the way that he's developed and trained others. Lord, I want to thank you for, Lord, the, uh, the, the way, Lord, that he creates environments for others to thrive. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would give him wisdom, Lord, as he hands on, where he knows that his part of the race has been run and someone else needs to take it further. Lord, I pray you give him the grace to do that, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that right now he receives a fresh anointing of you to run a new race, <laughs> to take on a new challenge, <laughs> and to do great exploits for you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you that this man's most fruitful days are ahead of him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, for him and Sue. Lord, just pray your blessing on Sue right now. Someone that's near Sue, just go and put your hand on, on Sue. We're just going to say, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Bernie. Holy Spirit, let your anointing of fresh equipping come upon Sue right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand, Lord. And together, together, Lord God, Lord, let there be a new season of anointing upon them. 
for great effectiveness in the advance of your kingdom, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jeff and Pam, I just, I've, I've, again, just in the way up in the car. Um, it was funny, we got into a conversation about your family because I felt God say, um, you, are going, you are going to enjoy discipling your children and your grandchildren in the things of God. That you were going to see fruit beyond your dreams in their lives and in the lives of their families. That this is the season where you will pour yourself out, not just in care, not just in support, not just in concern, but pour yourself out and pour into them the things of God, things of revelation, things of moving in the Spirit. And you will see that the hand of God has never been off them. But the evidence of that is going to become clear to all in this season, says the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you have said yes to anything at all this morning, I want to invite you. I like the fact you have, you have, plenty, of, you have plenty of room in the, in the rows here. I want to invite you just to raise your hands to the Lord. And I'm going to ask Steve to come with me. I'm going to ask Ruth to come with me. Or not with me, but we'll go together around. We're just going to simply lay our hand on your head and just believe that the Holy Spirit will do something to seal that work, but also to impart something fresh by way of anointing, stirring. Maybe it's to help dig up the well. Maybe it's for the, the breath of the Spirit to be some, some of you are going to find a release of prophetic gift, and I believe several of you are going to find a release of the prophetic gift of speaking words of life to people that don't know Jesus yet. Okay, I believe that's what we're going to say.